Made me sound like a stripper. <laughs> Caffeine rage. On today's show, we will of course be discussing the games that we've played this week. Developers petition G2A to take down indie games as controversy erupts again. Xbox Game Pass is the first time subscription. Nope. Xbox Game Pass <laughs> is the first time subscription is fair for developers. Zachtronics makes entire library free to schools and Zachademics program. Cuphead is getting a Netflix series. We'll discuss some probably Community Game Night stuff on this week's Community Corner and have a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. I just ignored your laughter like a professional because it'll be <laughs> muted and no one would know. But of course, I mention it because that's what I do. You take good things and ruin them. Absolutely. But then again, isn't that, you know, half a therapy? Taking good things and ruining them? Well, you know, people's uh, self-coping skills. I don't know. Uh, I I, I was being sarcastic. I do ruin a lot of things in therapy, but it tends to be bad things that people have built up over time. Sometimes good ones, too, though. I'm not perfect. Yeah, you ever look at somebody, uh, somebody's he's like, Oh, there's uh, this is uh, this is above my pay grade. <laughs> I have had that happen a few times, actually, uh, and in those cases, I refer them out to a different facility. So, they I don't I don't usually say it to them as in, oh, you're above my pay grade. You need to go to somebody else. I usually say, huh, you know, it seems the type of expertise you require is not something that I, my specialty is in. My uh specialized area of training is in marriage and family therapy and what you need is x you know whatever that thing is it's like allow me to help get you a referral to the funny person or a place and then later uh, when i'm talking to ken or another therapist i know you know any of the other ones will be like yeah and i was working with this client that had this and that and i'm like listening nope. i'm like oh my gosh this is way above my pay grade I actually have someone that I think might have what was previously called multiple personality disorder and now is referred to as dissociative identity disorder. That if I, if that's actually what they have and this isn't some sort of complex trauma response, that's way above my pay grade. But multiple personality is actually very difficult to genuinely diagnose. So I need more than I need more time with them before I make a judgment call on that. What you mean? You can't just Doctor Phil and uh, you know talk to him for five minutes and then uh, you know have all their problems sorted out? <laughs> nope. Nope. Well, hey. What type of shrink are you? All right, a good one. Oh, thank you. Well, 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 my heart. Well, considering the bar I said, you know, that's not exactly a compliment. Yeah, Doctor Phil is interesting. What he does on his show is terrible, aside from a lot of the resources that he discusses and and brings up and recommends to people. But I mean, they're trying to compress what would be, at best, weeks 
but typically months worth of therapeutic intervention down into, you know, a five minute spot on the show, you know? So that just, that just doesn't work. It just doesn't work that way. If it Maybe did, you should somebody... have some sort of you know, different format for the show, you know? Yeah. But then it wouldn't be as interesting, I don't think. At least not to the general viewer. I've got to, I've got to find it. There's a show that someone sh- um, showed me. A show that someone showed me one, at one point in time that was um, a very, I don't know, I guess in, in my circles, famous psychologist that um, would do single sessions with celebrities and you know they were genuine recorded therapy sessions and he would just Mm -hmm. do one session with them and they would oh my phone's not on silent (laughs) and they would go you know through whatever they could within an hour and um you know it's i i found that fascinating the a regular person might find that boring i the show only got one season on whatever tv network aired it so I guess it didn't get very good ratings, but what I've seen of it, it was really fascinating. And I want to try and find it and watch the oh, whole thing. It, it got bumped for Survivor uh, up yours. <laughs> Took you a moment there. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, just how many uh, seasons are there of Survivor now? Oh, God. Too many. Hundred? That's how many? A <laughs> hundred thousand million? Something like that. I'm trying to think of a really clever segue to games, but I got nothing. So what do you just want to go talk about some games we played? Uh, I guess we can. Sweet. Let's do that. Uh, uh, I guess I'll go first this week. Go back to normal. Yeah. So I got some time with Motorsport Manager this week, mostly while I was waiting around for UPS to show up. Uh, It turns out, you know, uh, they were running late this week. I guess there was a lot of people uh, buying burn ointment or something from Amazon. <laughs> uh, Somebody's buying bath water on Amazon. Oh, I, I saw about that. I was wondering what the fuck is everybody talking about bath water all of a sudden? Then I found the source of it and thought, really? On on the one hand, I think that's really stupid. But on the other hand, if you can make money doing that, by all means, don't let me stop you. It just. What the fuck, internet, right? Yeah. But anyway, uh, in between, you know, everybody happy to get, you know, uh, aloe vera uh, ointment for, you know, various firework-related incidents, I got some uh, time with Motorsport Manager 3. And, uh, well, this is the, I guess the, this is the fourth one I've played because I played the PC one and I've played all the iterations up till now. Uh, this was a freebie, what was it, like two months ago now? Something like that? Yeah, something like that. Uh, on the Google Play Store. I'm guessing that it's to uh, drum up uh, hype for the next one that's probably coming out before too long. Because if there's a three, there's going to be a four, right? And yeah. they've really changed a few things about this. Particularly in the early game. So, let's just get right into... The game kind of bores me at times. And I think it's the fact that they put you in a rookie league to start off with and kind of encourage you to sit there for a while while you build up your, essentially your headquarters, you know, build up your team for a while. 
And in all the other iterations of Motorsport Manager I've played, you've been the underdog. You know, if you got in the top 10, that was a really good race for you for the first season, right? Yeah. Unless you knew exactly how to set up your car. And even then, you know, it was a little bit uh, iffy. I started a couple different save files just to see if this was a fluke, but no. They start you in uh, either the uh, Formula Series Rookie League or the you know the or the GT Rising Stars League. You have a choice of the two, and uh, there's uh, slight differences between them. The GT Series could get bodywork uh, damage, which will uh, slow your car but not cripple your car, uh, like the Formula uh, uh, does, or the. Like, well, open wheel cars, all right, because they're not all Formula One, but you know, it's the, the, that's what I draw the uh, parallel to. Yeah. The Indy cars. Well, uh, the Indy cars can uh, take damage a lot easier. So, yeah, there's a bit of back and forth between them. And also, there's different rule sets. So I think the, the Indy uh, series uh, uh, has a longer uh, season, it has more races. But you have a choice in you know where you go in the very beginning. But you start off at either the top or the very top of the rookie league. But at the same time, they tell you whenever you're attempting to rank up that okay, well this league allows a, a development of this part, this part, this part, and this part, and you don't have uh, all the research yet. But we're going to give you a bunch of money for winning the rookie league, so you can go research that while you take another season there, or at least it felt that way to me. But also, the game does have, like, all the other mobile iterations of it. The, uh, uh, either buying direct money or buying essentially a super sponsor that will give you a ton of cash per race. So maybe it's bounced around that the uh, the people that pay in are able to get out of the rookie league in the first season without having to just suffer through it. I'm not sure there. But yeah, it felt a little boring to me because of that. But well, like Sardomus said, overwhelming power is kind of boring. <laughs> uh, but outside of that, there's some interesting changes in it. Uh, maybe it's just, you know, since I knew how to play Motorsport Manager, there was no you know difficulty settings to uh, tweak in it. Now that I was able to you know, pretty much immediately go to uh, usually either a two or three stop uh, strategy and if not win the race, get in the top five pretty much every single time. Except for one time that I had just a, 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 a yeah, random part failure. But that's yeah, racing for you, right? Yeah. But a couple of things that they've changed, well, outside of just putting you in a rookie league to start off with to you know kind of boost you up. I, I, part of me wonders if that's just, you know, uh, people complained about starting off at the bottom, so they wanted to give the rookie league uh, a place to, you know, kind of build your confidence up before you, you know, go get your shit kicked out of you. Uh, but they changed the mechanics uh, or the engineers uh, a little bit, where instead of there being a, a full team of mechanics that you could swap in and out, they're uh, uh, segregated a little bit so that the it's essentially the behind-the-scenes personnel that also help on race day. And then there's two lead mechanics for each of the drivers, and the, uh, they build up a relationship. I like, I think, Motorsport Manager 2 has as well. And as they build up their relationship uh, just by you know, working together, uh, they unlock various 
uh, upgrades that uh, give various power-ups. Like, for one driver I have, it's... Uh, they perform better on a very specific set of tires, while another one, uh, the other one is like they burn fuel slower or there's a slightly faster pit stop. But this ties into the qualification mechanics that they changed out. Where uh, previously in Motorsport Manager, you were tweaking the actual car itself, going in and uh, trying to get a feel of, okay, well, this track looks like it would really support you know, a lot of top speed. So you would actually tweak the car, you know, tweak the springs, the downforce and everything. Well, now they've replaced it with a deck building mechanic, which just feels weird. I realize that makes it a lot more accessible, but uh, as someone that's kind of gotten you know, a feel for tweaking cars in Forza, going to this is like, what, really? <laughs> so each of the driver mechanics, uh, the driver, or the mechanics that work with the drivers, it's the, the engineers that work behind the scenes and give a slight boost on uh, race day. They have a number of wrenches based on their star level, uh, you know, from uh, zero to five stars. And that's used as essentially a mana source to play cards during qualification. So whenever you're setting a qualifying time, your mechanic will have, let's say, 15 wrenches, just to pull a random number out. And you have a choice at the start of two cards, usually one that's a very high cost and one that's a very low cost. And eventually, as you uh, progress through the game with the headquarters system, which I'll get to in a little bit, you unlock the ability to get a third and possibly a fourth card. I'm not particularly sure on the fourth. But let's say the high cost has a zero to 10 cost. Well, uh, if you pull it and you get a high number, you know, it's kind of screwing you over, but you uh, play it uh, risky and get a low number and boost your overall setup. And as you reach every 25% threshold, it gets your car a little bit faster. So I think it's uh, 0.25 per uh, threshold. So, you know, you pull a 20% card that you're able to play for cheap, and then you use the low-cost card that has another 5%. Well, it knocks a approximately a 0.25 seconds off of your lap time. So you can see how it's very different from the previous, huh? Yeah. The but also, mechanic especially feels weird. Yeah, yeah, it just feels so odd. And also, if you go over... So let's say you had seven left and you wanted to play it risky and play like a zero to ten card that would give you a big bonus. If you go over, if you bust out, it drops you back down to your previous state. So if you're starting off the qualifications, you know, it'll bring you back down to zero. If you you know had like uh, 45% and your second tune-up after doing a quick lap, yeah, it'll bring you back down to 45% no matter what. You know, you're kind of safe at that point. But it's just such a, a weird mechanic, especially since it feels just disconnected. It feels just out of place, you know? Yeah. I mean, I realize that it's a lot more accessible because the previous one, you know, you would uh, do a rough guess and then you would do a lap or two and you'd come in based on some very vague information that the driver gave. And maybe uh, the mechanic would give you a little bit more of a hint. But, yeah, this feels like it's just going completely out of the field. 
and I'm not, I, I'm not sure if I like it or not. It's one of those things that I, I'm conflicted about because I realize that it makes it a lot easier to be able to tune up a car. But at the same time, part of the fun of Motorsport Manager was eventually having, you know, if not the perfect tune-up, you know, near perfect that you could just, you know, save and then go back to whenever you race that track again. Well, now it has this luck element that on top of everything else that I'm not sure really fits all that well. So I, I mentioned that having a third slot. Well, that's tied into the upgrade and the supply mechanics. So they added a new layer to the headquarters uh, called the supply chain. Then when you start your team, you set up in either Asia or Central China, if I recall correctly, uh, Europe or the United States as uh, like your team's uh, home base. And this chooses the starting node on this world map. And you're able to branch out your supply network to various nodes. And certain nodes give you bonuses. Like I just unlocked the one that's in South America that gives bonus influence points, which we'll get to that in a little bit. But also scattered throughout the maps are uh, airports, docks, shipping companies. And these are used to upgrade the various nodes. So. Like if I had a node that, or the Citroen node that, I can't recall what the, the base one does, but let's say it gives a plus one to uh, certain skills for my mechanics. Well, the second rank may require like one of each, you know, one plane, one uh, truck, and one uh, boat. And it may make my drivers, you know, uh, travel a little bit uh, better and may make the cars a little more resilient. You know, all the different nodes have different attributes and it adds a new strategic layer, which is for a more long-term strategy. So all the nodes take several races to unlock and going from continent to continent can take quite a while. Or you could skip all that with influence, which sounds like a premium currency, but it actually isn't. And influence is gained through various events and various uh, contract deals through signing sponsors. Uh, some of the dilemmas may <clears throat> pop up with a influence point or, or, or quite a few, depending on you know, what happens. Uh, winning the season also gives you some influence, if I recall correctly, and it's allowed to, uh, allows you to change certain things. Like, uh, for example, you could force a driver to go into a, a more favorable negotiation by spending some influence. You could break a contract early with a sponsor by spending some influence. And that strategic use of the influence could also be used to you know, break some rules, potentially. Uh, in the creation of uh, parts, they said that was a possibility, but I haven't gotten the opportunity to do it yet. But, you know, they definitely added to the game with that, you know, a, a secondary resource to keep because before it was just, you know, uh, did I have enough money? Yes. Excellent. That's all I have to worry about. But now you're forced to kind of weigh things. Like I had a dilemma pop up that uh, had, uh, you know, gave me influence or gave me money. Well, it actually, before it would have been a no brainer, you know, uh, you know, just give me the money. 
But now it made me think like, okay, do I want to have that to bank later or have the money to be able to invest right now in my team? And I, I actually do like that you know, additional thought there, you know, of having that influence to be able to change certain things that I may not like or to give me a, a more favorable situation. Especially going to contract negotiations, it could make it so that a driver that otherwise wouldn't talk to me uh, open up the ability to negotiate or make it so that a driver is more willing to negotiate so I may be able to bargain down the contract a little bit easier. So I think that is a good change overall. And something else that they uh, changed was the headquarters mechanic uh, overall list. Uh, now it's just a web of uh, essentially uh, uh, technologies. And it's just, you know, money and time. And that felt that feels a little boring to me. I, I think it was a little bit more in-depth in the second game, if I recall correctly, but I may be mistaken on that one. But it's tied up between drivers, uh, engineering, and finances. So there's just three uh, areas to invest in. And it's not quite linear, but it's pretty linear on... Uh, where you go because there's a significant jump on the particular tiers but it also gives you uh, access to the technologies that you really need a lot sooner than uh, you had in motorsport manager 2 if i recall correctly uh, be able to just get uh, weather forecasting very early get additional sources of income get the uh, sixth uh, sponsor slot uh, able to get the additional uh, cards for qualifying fairly early if you focus on it, but if not, then yeah, you know, uh, uh, decently early. It's a, uh, it's an interesting change. And let's see, what else did they change? Uh, they, they added invitational events. Uh, it's essentially taking uh, the national team and uh, stepping away from your own private team to go do a, uh, an additional event. I've only done one so far. There's there were two options with more available later on. There's endurance racing and there's elimination racing. Which, if elimination racing is like in every other racing game, it's essentially after so many laps, the car in last place gets eliminated. Yep. So right. I'm, so I'm imagining that's what it is in this. I'm not 100 percent certain though. I did the uh, endurance race, which was a fairly long race. My big complaint with it was uh, my drivers had the endurance of Bay Floss. I had one driver out of my team that was able to do two laps. I'm not sure if that's just luck of the draw or not because I've only done one invitation so far. It's about uh, it's about the halfway mark of the season and I didn't play that long on both the safe files I started. But yeah, that that was rather frustrating to you know, set up my usual you know, uh, marathon strategy of having you know, uh, hopefully one viewer's pit stop, uh, assuming weather holds and you know, breakdowns doesn't happen, uh, and set up for it, uh, get the fuel set up right uh, so that they refuel. Oh, that's one thing is that pit stops, it's only one action at a time. So, you know, if you're changing tires and refueling, it additive so it's not you know the longest action which is a little frustrating whenever 
you're having to do the endurance racing. So you, you, your car pulls in, you change tires. Okay, now the driver's able to get out. It's not more fluid action like real racing is. And I found that incredibly frustrating. Uh, but yeah, the endurance racing, I, I disliked it just because my team wasn't all that good. It was kind of weird going from this team that was pretty much dominant to a national team that, you know, one driver was able to do two or three laps. Another one was able to do five. I think my best one was able to do eight before the stamina mechanic started to kick in. And if the stamina reaches zero, they basically fall asleep at the wheel and they just kind of uh, autopilot back to uh, the pit stop. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. But that might just be the fact that, you know, I just had a bad team on that. But it adds an additional layer of strategy. And there's also a championship that's based around endurance racing. But I just didn't have the team makeup to be able to do that. It requires a lot more drivers, obviously. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, it's kind of mixed for me because there's some things I really like. I I like the uh, supply network system. Uh, even though it can be gamed a little bit if you get very lucky with uh, influence because you're able to just buy outright a particular stock, uh, uh, chain if you have enough influence, but it also allows you to skip the transcontinental wait times. Going from North America to Europe, I think it's like five races, which is the entire rookie season, for example. And it's all based around races, so... Yeah, you know, during the off season, you know, you're kind of screwed. Uh, the HQ system, the changes they did to it, it, it feels more streamlined. There are, you know, top tier stuff that requires a lot of uh, investment into that is very powerful. Uh, they also made it so that drivers have more personality about them. They have innate traits. Some of them, you know, are, you know, just, you know, rather plain. They have nothing outstanding. Others... Uh, they're more susceptible to uh, various dilemmas. Some uh, just have a natural natural personality, so they're more likable. So they went a long way to make the drivers not as disposable. But you know, you still want to throw away a driver if they've you know, hit their max potential, and you know, you need someone a little bit better. Right. <sighs> but yeah, you know, some good changes, some bad changes. Uh, I really dislike the qualifying mechanic, but there's also uh, some uh, championships that uh, do not use the qualifying mechanics at all. As far as I can tell, they just do a reverse order, but I'm not sure how they do the uh, the tuning in on the cars or if it's just you know a one-time thing or if it's you know, just, uh, you, know, you still go through that setup. I'm not sure. But yeah, uh, overall, yeah, it's, I think it's, it was definitely worth the pickup that I got. But... Yeah, I would say I think I liked Motorsport Manager uh, too a little bit better. Yeah, I I think I like the struggle. I think I think you know the fact that they made it you pretty much overpower in the very beginning was a bit uh, of a joy kill to me, you know. Yeah, but hey, you could go fire your drivers and then you know, work your way up the work rookie seasons. There is always that. Uh, so, any thoughts? Um, I mean, I've got it, so I'll probably try it at some point as well. It doesn't oh, sound 
it's not bad. It's just not great either. I never got around to the uh, EBS system as well. I'm not sure uh, how they handle it. I know that uh, the league I was in, they uh, voted on it, but it uh, was uh, voted down by one point or one vote. And you are able to spend influence to, you know, not cheat the vote, but, you know, make it so that you have a little bit more influence. But you can see on the Google Play Store, you know, the, you can see the, oh, it's, oh okay, it's just three uh, uh, card slots where the qualifying, the fourth is no changes. But you see the cards. Uh, they also changed it so that everything feels like a, like it's a model instead of how Motorsport Manager 2 had it where, you know, it feels like you're watching an actual race. Uh, just the uh, the aesthetic of it, you know? Right. I realize that's a minor quibble, but yeah, it just felt... At first time I loaded it up, I thought, oh, wow. It's like, uh, it's like, uh, it's like matchbox cars, you know? Indeed. So... Uh, you can take one. I don't... Okay. Um, uh, so mine is kind of a repeat of last week, except a lot less in-depth on um, one of them in particular. So X4... I played X4 quite a bit more over the weekend um, or since last week and got into sort of some of the mid game. And I think the beginnings of the end game simulation, the economy stuff is weird. What they used to do to help try and fix the economy is one, they had sort of a director in the background that was watching to be like, okay, these stations are not being used. So I'm just going to take those out of the universe to help free up resources you know processing and things like that uh resources that were being heavily traded they would eventually sort of get wiped out like not used up they would just sort of disappear that way the economy would keep running and things wouldn't stall out and the first thing is completely gone in this one the only way to get rid of stations is to destroy them uh and then that second piece that's sort of deleting things in the background that aren't moving it happens but at a much, much lower rate. So even in the mid-game, after letting the AI do a lot of trading and myself slowly starting to build up a fleet, have two very small space stations, I have completely wrecked the energy economy because energy has got no uh, resource cost. You know, there's the initial buy-in, like you have to build the station to get the the solar panels running to collect energy cells, but there's no other resources that's required in their creation. Uh, So with essentially four solar panel modules between my two stations, I have wrecked the energy market for the entire discovered galaxy. And Uh, energy, energy trade has completely stopped. And every station is full to the max on energy that I have discovered. Because I've got, you know, just little little guys out there just selling energy to their heart's content off of my space station. Um, and I can see this becoming a, a big cascading problem the longer the game goes on. The more resources you sort of fill up with, and eventually the economy halts. The one thing that they've tried to make a, a thing is, like, there's... The X series has always had pretty much constant ongoing wars. There's a couple of alien factions that are very aggressive. There's a, a race of machine um, 
machines that are very aggressive and you know you, they're always sort of grinding against each other and the idea is that like you go in there and via missions for your faction or just kind of acting as a free agent you also help grind down the universe full of ships and military equipment and space stations and so that is how these resources are intended to be used up but i'm not a big combat guy in these games i never have been i usually just create enough of a defensive fleet to protect the the sector or two that i basically claim as my own and then i just sit there and i like to play out the economy stuff you know that's what's fun to me as in wreck it (laughs) well yeah but i want to wreck it on my own terms not completely by accident so with me not helping even at this stage in the game um uh, I finally got the time accelerator. So in game, I think it's been something like 80 hours. Um, I haven't played it for for that long. But, um, you know, I've, I've got like 80 hours of in-game time on my game. And I've got a fleet of maybe two dozen ships and my two space stations. And it's like there's already issues with the economy. And I'm not going out doing constant war. I ba- The only warring that I've done is to secure trade routes between sectors because the way that at least with the amount of galaxy i've discovered there might be other ways but there's sort of a couple of choke point systems that if they get taken over by either of the aggressive alien races or the machine the machines then that's no bueno so i've been slowly fortifying those areas of space to keep them defended but other than that i'm not pursuing either of the main faction wars i'm not participating against pirate factions and in skirmishes against those i'm actually on friendly terms with the pirates because the pirates will buy anything so any illegal or illicit good obviously they're and will buy absolutely everything in the game so they're a good place to make some quick cash to just dump or just dump stuff on but they don't typically get traded to automatically because they're pirates but this is definitely going to be an issue i found a couple of mods to try and address it by bringing back some of the sort of uh, natural destruction of resources that was present in previous games that tweak things like why would you do that you've discovered perpetual energy (laughs) but things that um adjust what certain resources cost to build what ships cost to build so that you can sink a lot more resources into fewer things overall to help you know balance the economy out so i haven't really had time to play with those things too much but yeah even at this point like the economy just focusing on sort of the bottom rung i've completely filled that up and i can only go up from there but there's no resource in the game that just gets destroyed. Everything eventually leads towards the production of stuff to make ships and weapons. And, you know, that that's how they funneled the economy. But I don't do enough fighting to create enough destruction in the galaxy to make all of those things get used up. Oh, no. Sounds like you've been pretty destructive to me. Well, destructive on the socioeconomic balance of the galaxy but not in a physical sense 
there's still tons of stuff though i haven't gotten to in this game it is extremely deep and wide and um uh, i'm just getting my first taste of like squad combat having uh vessels that can carry other vessels not exactly a carrier but most of the larger ships have got docking bays for one or two small craft because you know you can fly your 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 destroyer around but it doesn't really like if you come to a small station you can't dock at it so it's good to have like a little fairy attitude ship i've been doing a lot of sort of exploring around like there's a scanning mechanic to scan down stations and you can get like information and hack them for bonuses you can steal station blueprints i've been doing some of that just checking it all out but still the big meat of the game is the economy simulation and when not playing i think as they intended it's got issues but that's what mods are for so buy it to bricks yeah so far it's fairly stable i've had a couple of crashes um but no more or less than any other X game has ever had. Just remember to, you know, hit that quick save frequently, just in case. It's always always good to F5 for safety. You just have a drinking bird there hitting it every so often. <laughs> every time I do something important, I hit it just to be on the safe side. You know, I've had two or three crashes the whole time. This is an F5 event. <laughs> Pretty much. Anytime I issue a massive amount of orders to my fleet, or I complete, like, a, a mission that was worth a lot, or I just do something, I'm like, huh, that was neat. I'd hate to have to try and do that again. Like, the first time I fought and destroyed um, a Xenon battle, battleship, I was like, okay, that took a very long time to do with small vessels that didn't have anti-capital ship weapons. I'm gonna save. That was a lot of my life I'd hate to lose. So... At some point, I'll be back to it again to discuss. But I, in let you know, at this point, I'm in that sort of mid stage area of the game, which can be very grindy for a lot of people. But I love these type of economy simulator type things, so I'm I'm having a good time. Good, just a grand old time. Uh, speaking of a grand old time, uh, Astroneer Co-op Edition. So. I played a bit with Jim and, well, tried with Cube as well, but he had issues, got frustrated, and pretty much immediately quit. I'm not actually sure what happened there, but you know, it is the, you know, goes through the Xbox stuff, so, you know, shit gets weird, right? Right. But anyway, Astroneer Co-op. There's not a lot to talk about here, but I think there was enough to, you know, warrant this. Plus, you know, did talk, uh, you know, did play with Jim, so I think he would have been a little uh, biffed if I didn't mention it at the very least. So, I was pretty much right, uh, for the most part, on my feelings, or at least in my opinion, that it feels like Astrodeer is built around at least having another person. If not hanging out around base, then, uh, you know, uh, the constant return to base, be able to reset research, be able to build up a little bit quicker, uh, you know, collaboratively, of course, uh, is, you know, really shined with the uh, co-op, but it does, uh, he uh, still enjoys it solo. So, you know, uh, I think it's just you know, my personal taste, you know, on the fact that, you know, I prefer, you know, having at least one or two people, particularly people that know what the hell is going on. 
Right. But it also kind of highlighted some issues. We had some serious desync issues. And it seems to be just a persistent bug that if the game goes for too long or connected, uh, essentially it builds up an error that just increases over time. And uh, I actually died several times and lost a fair amount of equipment. Uh, it's not that it could be replaced, but just frustration that, because I was standing and digging somewhat near me and the game thought I was digging up from under myself. It's like, oh, oh, that's a long way down. Uh, you fell to your death. But I'm on the ground. You fell to your death. You die now. <laughs> and this seems to be a very persistent thing. Uh, towards the end of a couple hour PlayStation, uh, play session, not PlayStation, I started having it happen more and more often between both of us, actually. But since he was the host, uh, you know, it was less of an issue for him, but he was seeing me just spaz out after a while. And it also makes a known bug in the game a lot worse. So as you build out, at least initially, before you, know, you get to sort of the mid-tier stage, you want to put down uh, what's called tethers, which expands your life uh, support network because your spacesuit well, it's about as effective as a spacesuit on Mars with the antenna stuck through it. Right? Right. Okay. So, if you get above a certain threshold on tethers, it starts to introduce lag into the game, and more and more lag as you expand out. And because, you know, there's multiple people printing down tethers, uh, you hit that limit a lot faster, which is a bit annoying there are ways around it um, i eventually uh, had a rover that I went back and essentially cleaned up my tether network uh, and just recycled them but you know it's just kind of kicking the can down the road at that point because you know you're going to hit that again and there was only so much that it could be done eventually you could have it where uh, the rover provides life support for a segregated tether network where uh, they have oxygen and power that's fed into the tether or to a small group of tethers. But, you know, once again, it, we didn't have that many down. It's not like, you know, we had the entire place looking like, uh, you know, a spider's web. We had a few branches off here and there, and we were already inducing the lag. Or at least it seemed to be making things far worse, which I found incredibly frustrating. And it was a little bit of a buzzkill for me because I was enjoying it uh, up until that point, you know, just being able to uh, let Jim do his thing in base and going out and exploring, bringing back uh, interesting shit. Yeah. And uh, we were about to launch onto another planet when, you know, just the lag was just getting so bad that, you know, I wasn't able to even interact. I was trying to drop tethers to uh, go down a uh, cave and it started hitting me so bad that I wasn't able to even drop them. So, yeah, just a very, 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 very basic command I wasn't even able to do. So that should tell you something, huh? Yeah. Did you try going back and playing it again solo with your sort of newfound knowledge and see if that uh, I haven't tried it just yet. I intend to at some point. Uh, maybe that's something that we could do on a Sunday sometime when we're tired of Forza, right? Yeah, I suppose that'll happen eventually. <laughs> Yeah, we can't go vroom all the time, right? 
There's a lot of stuff to go room over, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though we do have someone chasing us now. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be well, fun. We have the spiky to our bandits. Indeed. Yeah, but the fun part is that he has to go break the law in order to get the siren. Otherwise, he's just hanging out of the uh, car window going, wee-woo, wee-woo. Ghosts could do that. Yeah, but at that speed, that that, that would uh, potentially just rip you out of the car, wouldn't it? Yeah. hope you don't hit a bug. <laughs> uh, yeah, a beetle doing 200 <laughs> relative speed, that has to do some damage, huh? Yeah. Or just be a good, uh, you know, uh, high-protein meal. Ew. I'll pass on that. Actually, all these cars supposedly have five-point harnesses, so you'd, you'd be all right. You wouldn't get sucked out of the car. Yeah, but wouldn't you have to undo it to be able to hang out the car window? Uh, Well, you know, don't use, just use three of the five points. So, in other words, uh, the No Man's Sky launch. Three out of yes. five. Yeah, that's not bad. Not good enough, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else, really. I mean, it was just, you know, just kind of mentioning it. Uh, it was a shame that we didn't have Cube because I think, for at least in my, uh, first, uh, my perspective, uh, three people were running somewhat close to base, uh, managing things and building up the base, and two people bringing back research and bringing back uh, uh, supplies uh, or resources would uh, have been ideal, but also. It kind of confirmed what I thought that I got just an atrocious start. Either that, or I just overlooked, uh, you know, the nearby resources because resources on our shared game was a lot closer and a lot more plentiful. Yeah, you know, that's, have... that's the danger of uh, procedural generation, huh? Yeah, I wonder if it weights things differently based on how many people you start with. Uh, potentially, but the fact that I had no composite at all. It was uh, uh, strange even by Jim's uh, regulation. So, you know, it's it's possible that I just overlooked it. You know, it was like in a, a little, uh, you know, cranny somewhere, which is possible. There was a couple of times that, you know, the only indication that there was resources was like a very, very tip of one resource node, a poke it up out of the dirt. But also had some interesting uh, geological features. Uh, had essentially a, tu- a natural tunnel boring through uh, the mountain, uh, which uh, yeah was pretty much a perfect, like very gentle sloping uh, right turn. But it looked like you know a player made it that you know was that you know, perfect. You were there, a giant worm. Oh, and I did get lost once. That, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. That happens. I've gotten lost more than once. Well, I got lost with the the rover. So, you know, I wasn't in danger of suffocating, just, you know, trying to figure out, you know, location and waiting for the rover to recharge. Because I pilfered a, a, I think I had a a generator on me. So, you know, just quickly uh, dig up something to be able to uh, feed the generator to recharge and go a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I really should play it some more. We were about to blast off, but I don't have the save file. <laughs> Not sure if there's really anything else to talk about on it, though. It just 
it introduced its own issues, and it seems like uh, the planet eating things is a known bug that's just possibly never going to get fixed. And they are still actively working on the game, but you know, uh, core issues like that may just be beyond what they're able to fix uh, somewhat easily while keeping up uh, the uh, roadmap of uh, of uh, content. You know. Yeah. Uh, any questions? I think so. I mean, since I've played Astroneer, I'm fairly familiar with it. So, no uh, no questions. Well, how about more Vroom? Indeed. So, uh, yeah, this one's my fault. Yeah, hey, we're back to the Forza Game Club uh, for the, what, the seventh week we're running? It's, it's been a few. Um, I took my, dipped my toes into the multiplayer racing, both ranked and unranked matchmaking. Um, yeah, you and I'll I's. drag you along. Yeah. Uh, and I echo many of the sentiments that you had about ranked. And there's an additional problem in trying to join ranked with more than one person. Yeah. So wait times are atrocious and you can get dropped. You know, it'll, it'll sit there oftentimes at 11 of 12 and you have to have all 12 people to start a ranked match. And if you're trying to join up with another person, there's some kind of issue with it. And I couldn't quite find an explanation for what the problem was. Yeah. It just sounds like uh, whenever uh, you're joining as a convoy and you're, uh, you're essentially upping for the first one, but you never get a prompt to try again, because uh, that's the thing is that it's automatic for the convoy leader. Just to, okay, we'll try it again, but it seems like there's some sort of prompt whenever you're joining the convoy's uh, queue. Yeah, if you're not the convoy leader, you have to accept to join the queue, and then every time a game pops up, you know, you have to accept that you want to join in on that race. Um, and I kind of understand that, because it's like, okay, like if the convoy leader wants to go do something and other people don't want to, they're, they're just like working on some skill stuff or need to take some time to work on a car you don't have to split up the convoy, just the leader and anyone that wants to go can and anyone else can stay behind. But if you don't get it on that first one, the the convoy members are never prompted again to accept. So we had this a couple of times before we figured it out um, that we would go to join. I wouldn't get, you know, the first one would not complete, you know, it wouldn't fill up. So it would reset the matchmaking and then you would get in and I would not, and I would get like an error that said like the room was full, and we couldn't figure out what was going on. Yeah, it sounds like essentially whenever you're uh, uh, going for uh, uh, or going in, uh, when the matchmaking starts up, it uh, essentially puts us in as two instead of one. But since you don't get the second thing, it's between me and the room, and then later uh, on you get put in. Uh, as hey uh there's a room starting up oh it's already full never mind yeah um but you know i i like the variety that comes with the online racing because basically it just says hey here are a couple of things s-class off-road cars or just a-class cars period and then you get to choose what car you want that fits within that rule set so there's a huge variety you know, if it's an off-road event, some you'll get some people who go for more rally car type setups and people who come in in big off-road trucks and some people who come in in like the extreme off-road things. Like, think yeah, like, you know, like Baja trucks. 
you were thinking uh, you're liking the strategic uh, choices as well. What What like, do you mean? Uh, uh, there was a couple times that you were talking about. Oh, I should have brought in this card because this race favors this over this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So being familiar with the races helps because it shows you, you know, this event has three races and it's these two tracks and this sprint. And then you can kind of get a quick glance at what they look like. And it's like, okay, so these are short tracks. I should probably pick a car that focuses on that has this type of handling characteristic or that focuses more on acceleration than top speed or something like that. And you're trying to pick the best car that you have that fits. Um you know, the most races as possible. And there were a couple times where I got it right and it was just like amazing how well I did. And there were a couple times I got it wrong. And then I was farther back in the pack um, just because I had either the completely right or the completely wrong setup for an event type. But, uh, you know, I, I like that. And that aspect is present in both ranked and unranked. With unranked, you can just... Um, it, it'll start... Stay in the room. Yeah, you can stay in the room and it'll just cycle between different events. Um, and it doesn't matter how many people are there. You know, it just tries to split the teams as evenly as possible. Keep also, it seemed like uh, the people in unranked were a lot more chill. Yes. Oh my god, people are assholes in ranked mode. <laughs> Both your own team and the other team. There are so many times. Well, well like... mind you, we did team based racing. There is a free for all race mode as well. Yeah, but people acted but, like it half the time. It was all uh, free for all racing. Yeah, one people don't seem to understand the uh, the concept of team racing. Like, you don't have to be in first place. It doesn't matter what place you come in, just as long as generally second first losing man. Yeah, just generally as long as your team does better than the other team. So you and I, when we'll do racing, you know, against the computer or you know, in really in any mode, like if we're like one and two. Typically, I mean, I'm I'm a better driver than you. So typically, in most situations, unless I've got the wrong car or you've got you know the perfect car or whatever, I could, you know, drive hard and get around you and win most of the races. But there's no point in doing that because we're on a team and you're uh, first. And, and there's I'm also second. a chance that you may hit me or yeah, screw me up. Yeah, if I fuck up or something, then it could cost both of us our positions. This is not worth it. Like that's good team racing. You support your teammate. But no one online seems to to understand this, and everyone always just tries to pass all the time. So teammates will ram you trying to get around you in a corner. Which I understand the opposing team doing that. Yeah, it sucks, but I get the opposing team doing it, but your own team. And sure, it, it's an accident sometimes, but lots of times it's like, okay, you just used me to Grand Turismo around that corner faster. I love that you're using my turn now. Yeah, or to sort of block... Because if you slam into the wall, like if you give it a little tap or a side swipe, you're okay. But if you hit the wall hard, it will give you a penalty and make you drive slower for like five seconds. Well, so it's, it's, it's dependent on how hard you hit it. <clears throat> oh, okay. Yeah, if but, you if you hit it just enough to trigger it, you know, it'll just kind of flash for a moment. And it's not really a deal. If you just slam into the wall, you know, you're getting the full five seconds. Okay. But, you know, teammates will, will ram into you and use you to block them from getting the slowdown penalty and things like that. And that's really annoying. And then the amount of times that I was purposely rammed off the road by opposing team members or by, by the opposite team, like that really bugs me. Like, I get it. It's a video game, but it's also like racing. And I like to, to race as clean 
and skillfully as possible. And it's like, you'll have people bring like trucks into car road racing events and they'll spend the entire time blocking and trying to ram people off the road. And I'm just like, I get it, but fuck you. And it, it makes it, it made me angry on, I mean, I didn't really occasion people, but I did, you know, kind of block. So uh, I blocked that one guy completely off the road and he missed a checkpoint, but that's not yeah. me ramming. I mean, that's yeah, me closing the racing line. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a difference in blocking the racing line, though, and purposefully ramming someone off the track. And I had it happen on multiple occasions, be, be neck and neck with someone coming into like a, a bridge or into a tight section where there was something, you know, a wall or something that wouldn't be destructible, so you wouldn't just go through it. And at the last second would get rammed into the thing by the other person. And, I, you know, I'm sure sometimes it was an accident, but like I'm watching like deliberately people would, you know, swerve left and then right and smash into me and, and crash me into the wall or the you house. You know, it's hilarious whenever uh, they hit you too hard and it has the high speed <clears throat> collision go off. Yeah, that's fun. So there's there's the high speed collision. So if you're at the beginning of the race and then if the game detects there's going to be a high speed collision, it will ghost one or both players so they don't crash into each other. And a few times they would get a little too excited with that. And I would ghost or they would ghost and go straight through and wreck themselves. And I would be fine. That always made me happy. Yeah. I wonder if just the beginning of the month is also a terrible time because uh, the, the, the ranked mode is also tied into the Forza-thon uh, month long year thing where it cycles through all the seasons and it's uh, the beginning of the, uh, the year it's tied to the beginning of the month. So yeah. right now it's the summer racing and it's tied and uh, everybody's trying to uh, re-rank in order to get the extra percentage points to be able to get all the, you know, the fun cars. Part of me wonders if it's just that as well. Maybe I'm going to do some of the single player ranked this week before, you know, if we, if we play again on Friday, we'll do whatever then. We typically do the the season stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be autumn this time, so you know we typically do the whatever the seasonal thing is. But uh, uh, hey, we got the uh, tractor trailer coming up. Yeah, Are that'll there. be fun. But the um, yeah, the ranked racing is. Eh, I'm gonna do just enough to get my ranking, and then if we do that more, the the unranked is where it's at. Yeah, just, yeah, it feels like it's a lot more chill. There are people that go uh, a little bit more <laughs> hardcore. But typically how it happens is uh, after the full event goes through, it will uh, uh, a good chunk of the people will drop out. So the first race of the new uh, event would be you know, half teams or quarter teams. Then by the end of the next race or the end of that race, it'll fill up again. So you have full teams again. And, it, and there was definitely a mood shift. I, I don't think it was really even just bad drivers. I think... Maybe it's just the fact that, you know, that that MMR is kind of dinkling over their head. And it, it also just seemed to be one of the better ways to get uh, credits in the game. Ranked racing? Uh, uh, unranked. Or unranked, yeah. Because uh, ranked, you were in the queue for t- far too long. Uh, there was a couple times we were in it for, what, five minutes or so? Yeah. Which doesn't sound like a lot. Oh, just a five-minute wait. But in order it's to an, do the initial... An uh, in order to do the initial ranking, you have to... Uh, do 10 unranked uh, races. Once you get ranked once, I think you're okay and you just have to do one. You know, then, you know, then the pain is over, but you only get, you know, 
the autumn gear rewards, which are still pretty damn good, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. But do completing one of those, you know, uh, what do they call them? Race adventures? Co-op adventures? Whatever. Uh, online adventures. Online adventures. Completing one of those, which is just a race series, depending on how, you know, what it is the events are, anywhere from, like, 20 to 40,000 credits, maybe more depending on your difficulty settings. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I don't, I don't know what your difficulty boost is, but mine is uh, 55%. I think mine was sitting at, like, 40, so I was getting, like, 30,000 on average. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had a couple that were, were smaller, but most of them were in the, the 35,000 range. Which so. is pretty damn good, honestly. Yeah, I mean, you do basically three or five races in pretty quick succession, and then you get that... Uh, that payout. Well, and remember, it's also do... based on just, you know, if your team has sensed it, you know, uh, the event's over. Yeah, that's true. You could win in, in two. So, I mean, race events are either three or five. So you could win in two or three if you win all of the 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 events up front. But, I mean, regardless, it's still a yeah, and they also. They also seem to throw a fairly decent assortment of between the uh, road racing and the rally. So, you know, you start to get uh, interesting ones like the free room rush, which uh, starts to see some of the really stranger cars start to really, uh, uh, you know, uh, get some more traction, you know, the uh, dune buggies and that sort of thing. Yeah, because in those it's, you know, so free room rush, you just have to get from point A to point B in the fastest way possible. And most people, you know, go off road and do a bit of pathfinding. Sometimes it works out for you. Sometimes it doesn't. Depending yeah, I also on found that it was a lot more luck based. There was sometimes that I just had one bad bounce that took me out of cont- uh, contention, but there was other times that I did amazingly well. Yeah. On all of those, except for one, I either got first or didn't finish. <laughs> there was one that, was pretty straightforward and I just my car was a little too slow so I wound up getting like fourth on it I think but yeah it's good it's good fun um I you know I definitely will be go I'll go you know go through and do the ranked just to to get my seasonal completion percentage or whatever and then we'll probably do unranked races some whenever I just want to race real quick I mean racing against the drivatars is is fun and fine and dandy especially yeah, it's also a lot more fun to cut someone uh, whenever you know that there's another person there. Yeah, but if I just want to do races and like rapid succession, I'll probably jump a lot more willingly into the online adventures. Plus, there's yeah, the drift been, one that I want to check out. Yeah, I was going to say drift is probably going to be your thing. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm good, but. I'm sure that there are many people out there that are way, It'll be way, way better than me. Hear, hear what happens to you in Drift. Now, I want to hear that next week. I don't yeah, want to be I mean, brought along for the adventure, but... Yeah. Is it in the ranked, or is it unranked, or is it both? Uh, yes. Okay, sweet. Both. Actually, I wonder if that would be better for ranked mode uh, for you. Don't know. Maybe. Because uh, there's the Drift, uh, there... Actually, I'm not sure if that's ranked. I do know that there's playground games as well that's online. Yeah, I I had bad experience with uh, uh playground games. I just unless there's something amazing for the Forza Thon, I'm just not going to bother. 
because every single time I got an unbalanced team and uh, not my favor. Yeah. Well, you have to win, though, for the Forza yeah. seasonal challenge. I like the playground games, but... I like the playground games concept, but because you have to win... People will drop there's... out for yeah, the, people the Forza drop out so season. Quick, quickly. If you're at even the slightest disadvantage, people just go, okay, that's enough. I'll agree in our matchmaking. Yeah. Which is so frustrating. That's a frustrating thing in online in general, let alone this. I never understood the whole concept of, like in Rocket League, down one goal and people drop out. Yeah. I'm sure there's a psychological answer to this, and I'm waiting. Well, I mean... Probably, but my brain is too foggy right now to, to tell you. Honestly. Oh, how about that? Just people are dicks. <laughs> There's just this thing. Like, if people aren't winning, they'll quit because they don't feel like, you know, they don't want to waste their time. They don't want to feel like they're, they're losing. Losers. Yeah. But I, I'll, I'll finish stuff whether or not I'm going to win or lose. Speaking of losers? Uh, yeah, that's an excellent segue <laughs> to get us on to our first news topic of the night. Uh, developers petition G2A to take down indie games as controversy erupts again. You know, it's been a while since we had Commandment 1 come up, huh? Commandment 1 is Thou Shalt Not Pre-Order. Oh, sorry, yeah, what was it, Commandment 2? or I know it's one of the early ones. Yeah. Then scroll down. Uh, where are they on here? <laughs> I don't know, they're on here somewhere. Where's the stone tablets? <laughs> Let me go get them out of, the, out of my closet. Oh, what, you're coming out of the closet now? It's number two. Thou shalt not buy from yeah. great market sites. Oh, like G2A. How about that? So, uh, late last week, there was a petition going around from some indie developers. They actually mentioned which ones. Uh, from uh, uh, the co-founder of the indie publisher, No More Robots, uh, talking about some of the Google ads for G2A and talking about also, you know, if you want to buy from G2A, just pirate game because it actually hurts us. Well, we uh, get hit with too many chargebacks. We get uh, charged uh, for those. Just pirate the game. And G2A and these indie developers have been trading blows back and forth for the weekend. And... Yeah, G2A has made themselves look like kind of dicks. Yeah. I mean, they do have some interesting points at times, but then you know, they have to you know continue talking, right? Like one of the articles is talking about how it's a good thing uh, people could be sell keys. Well, it's not really reselling keys. It's more re- uh, selling used key or not used keys, but you know, your spare keys. But honestly, the people that have those that aren't, you know, credit card scammers are people that are buying from like Humble Bundle that that's a charity thing. So you're getting people scamming off charity for that, which makes you kind of scummy, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Um, you know, I'm I don't like G2A. Really? And, I wouldn't have guessed. And King Gwen. And other sites that do stuff like this for all of the reasons just said. But they I mean, don't I understand the... people wanting to have a place to be able to trade uh, keys. Uh, because, you know, you may uh, get a game bundle that 
you know, you don't, uh, you only wanted one thing out of it, and you don't really have anyone that wants the wants the spare keys. I could understand that, but uh, G two A just they provide no protections, and they actively hurt the industry. Yeah, but what is hilarious? They dug this hole even further. <laughs> yeah, there's been a few things we're kind of glossing over a few of them, but the big one outside of the petition that had over 800 signatures from different developers was that they started contacting indie sites. I, I should say G2A. Uh, started contacting indie sites, these little small ones that I, pers- uh, yeah, personally I never heard of. Uh, and they were offering an article. You know, you're thinking, oh yeah, they're offering an interview. No, they're not offering an interview. They're offering a pre-made, pre-written, uh, what was the term that they were using? Scroll, 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 scroll. Yeah, I'm looking for it too. Let's see. An article that is transparent and just review of the problem of the stolen key reselling. And mind you, they say a transparent and just review immediately after talking about oh yeah and don't credit us uh don't yep. make it they uh, don't mark it the, mark this as a sponsored piece so this will be just between uh, us and you know there's this you know, like are they really doing this and not only has g2a confirmed it that this happened but they dug it even deeper saying that nine different sites were contacted <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the rogue they, employee was uh, being punished, you know, because of course, uh, yeah, it was a rogue employee and not totally not uh, someone just you know, uh, in the company, you know, doing this, you know, on the well, on the up and up uh, for their company. Yeah, so they sent it to ten different sites, and and one person and listed here in the article, his name's Thomas Faust. But not that journalist. one according to said Alpha. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he posted on Twitter um, what they sent him, screenshots of what they sent him. And yeah. then G2A yeah. comes back and says, oh yeah, and also we sent it to other people, but we don't actually want you to use it. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, uh, how about uh, a quick uh, reading of the email because this is hilarious. Okay. My name is Adrian. I represent a global digital marketplace called G2A.com. Our our, our company is one of the biggest and most popular trading platforms in the world. Pause for laughter. It is a place where buyers and sellers of games and other digital and physical goods meet to make transactions. Yeah, and back alleys, right? I'm contacting... I'm uh, contacting you because I think your website matches our interests perfectly. Boy, I feel sorry for this guy telling you. And we would like uh, to find out more about publishing and advertising opportunities that you can offer. At the moment, we're trying to improve our brand awareness and public image. Sorry, that's bold. And so I have to you know, use the big voice, especially among indie and smaller game developers. Unfortunately, the majority of the public does not understand either our business model or how we try to make our customers uh, our customers can safely purchase games or digital products. Once again, bolded. We want to make sure that people understand we do uh, 
everything we can to support gaming community and introduce every possible method to ensure every site is satisfied. Sorry, the art, the email is a little bit, uh, right? I'm reading it word for word. I'm not, but yeah. Yeah. Continuing on, this is the second paragraph, and uh, this was all that was really shown in the Sid Alpha video. I should have grabbed that as well. I'm looking uh, at at least the tweets. That's the only thing yeah. that's on, though. There's, there's yeah, two yeah, there wasn't much that. more beyond this. Uh, we have written an unbiased article of how selling stolen keys on gaming marketplaces is much is pretty much impossible. And we want to publish it on your website without being marked as sponsored or marked as associated with G2A. This is a transparent and just review of the problem of stolen keys. I mean, what the fuck, right? Yeah. I mean, literally, the following sentence, it's a transparent, but don't mark us. Don't don't market us that we sent you this, but it's transparent and open and honest. Uh, below, I'll attach an excerpt of the article. If you want the full article, just let me know. <laughs> oh. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. uh, 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 oh, and also, if you're interested in publishing the article, please provide me with the pricing and details of your options and, and such uh, for such uh, uh, publication. <laughs> I mean, just well, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um. You know what? What I suspect happened here is they thought we will go to these tiny websites who even though they know they, they, they probably know that this is all bullshit. The us paying to put an article on their site and potential publicity they could gain from that would be worth it to them to actually go along with this. And then this guy, yeah, eventually you hit somebody that has some morals. Yeah. I mean, even in uh, the, you know, gaming journalism uh, rounds, you eventually hit someone, right? But also, part of me wonders if uh, they were hoping for uh, the megaphone effect where, you know, one of the tiny sites starts publishing an article and it just goes viral and then it eventually ends up on the bigger publications. Yeah, well, that's what I was what I was getting to was like, you know, I, I bet they did that. You know, they picked these small sites that, you know, feel like they would benefit from it greatly and then hope that a larger site or publication takes notice of it. and and parrots it as well but it went the opposite direction and now everybody's talking about how shitty they are which we all knew that but having evidence for this sort of stuff pop up every once in a while is is a good reminder do you think there was a typo when they were talking about a rogue employee and it was really rouge and it's adrian red or something <laughs> mm, headcanon that's not what I believe happened. <laughs> Previously, no, I would have not agreed with that. But yeah, no, that's headcanon now. That's what actually happened. Yeah, you're, you're sleepy enough to accept that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> oh. Uh, the, here's the response, by the way. These emails were sent out by an employee without authorization, for which we apologize to some indie games. That's the publication that Thomas Faust writes for. And the non-other media outlets that he sent this proposal to, because I think he, they uh, knew that it was going to eventually come out, but uh, he will face strict uh, consequences, as this is absolutely unacceptable of getting caught. Oh, sorry, I added the last bit, but 
Yeah, you know, that's what they're thinking, right? Yeah. But getting back around to the crux of the matter, I mean, they were trying to defend having indie games about saying, well, only 8% of our model uh, or, or our sales are indie games. Everything else is the big uh, uh, ticket item. So, you know, it doesn't matter if we're uh, selling them. Well, yeah, but if it doesn't matter, then why, right? Yeah. No, that doesn't. I mean, this this whole thing is is full of uh, inconsistencies, to say the least. Yeah, talking yeah. about uh, one of these articles was talking about how a uh, one game was be- essentially being uh, supported or supplied by one guy with uh, a bunch of stolen credit cards and everything was uh, Steam gifts. It wasn't just, yeah, like spare keys or something. Yeah. Pretty much if you buy from GT- G2A instead, go get Game Pass. <laughs> right? Yes. Sorry, I, I was adjusting. I'm eating my mic so you didn't hear the banging noises. Oh but my. yeah, go get Game Pass or, you know, just go light $5 on fire because you'll hurt less people that way. I mean, G2A actually charges you if uh, you have an account with them and funds in, in your G2A wallet. Yep. And if you want... If you're game, inactive. Yeah, and if you pretend, even if you uh, pretend that you want to have some kind of protection, you have to pay for that that facade yeah, and, of protection. Yeah, and there's a bunch of different uh, just albums of what you have to go through in order to turn off that protection and massive sarcasm quotes. It's something like 15 or 20 different pages, and some of them are, yeah, like very small text of yes i'm sure yes i'm really sure but please turn this off i mean it's almost a parody but it's real right yep reality is stranger than fiction uh insert also, political joke here yeah i mean so uh, fuck you gta almost as much as fuck <laughs> yeah almost but not quite yeah it's like uh, trying to pick uh, out of uh, the smother between two giant piles of shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it all depends gonna... on which way the wind is blowing. I just got a, a mental image of that scene from Jurassic Park with Peter Malcolm <laughs> as one big pile of shit. So, so uh, since I mentioned Game Pass, mm-hmm. I was about to say, moving on to our next topic, which involves Game Pass. Xbox Game Pass is the first time subscriptions as fair for developers, at least according to this uh, article. Well, actually, it's a couple this articles. Develop- oh, I only There's saw the two. ones. I saw one. I pulled uh, both what, links. What developers I saw think one of them. Xbox uh, Game Pass? Yeah. Uh, essentially, uh, it comes down to payment plans. Yeah. Uh, from the- uh, what I was able to tell in this was that. It's really the difference between uh, what some people uh, uh, was it who was it in here that was talking about the difference between Spotify and Netflix. Yeah, I think it was the develop one of the developers that was yeah, not being just interviewed. Didn't catch the name, uh, but anyway, the difference is fixed fee versus you know pay for play. Uh, the Spotify model is what 
people don't associate with a lot of the game uh, subscription models, but is what actually happens behind the scenes is that you get a bonus for being popular, bringing in more subscribers. So if, well, to use the game pass, if they were using this model and everybody's walking through or to Forza, Gears of War, that sort of thing, everybody else would be getting less money because of it. But what they're actually doing is the Netflix model where it's a fixed fee uh, that you're paid. And then it doesn't matter how popular you are. You get that fixed amount of money. And for a very popular game, that sounds a little bit of a raw deal. But I think for the long run, it's actually going to pay out for them. uh, Because if you're a game that is a little bit more experimental or going into a genre that doesn't get as much attention these days, if you make... Uh, let's pick one almost at random, a giant stopping mech game and go on Game Pass. <laughs> uh, that's not a very particular, or that's a, not a very popular genre these days. Uh, I think that's fair to say, right? Yeah. Well, I love giant stopping mech games. I recognize that they are for a niche audience. But it's a guaranteed amount of money that you could uh, sink into your next uh, project. You don't have to worry about sales, and that's what the developers are talking about uh, where it's uh, what it gets them what it's uh, uh, doing for their uh, popularity they're essentially they're uh, uh, sort of marketing I'm not sure the particular term to use for that yeah Um, because it's not grassroots obviously but yeah but that sort of associative Uh, some associative marketing where you know people join in for those big titles but then they see like my time at portia oh that's a more of a niche title it may not be for everyone but someone may be i didn't know uh, this uh, this genre existed yeah or void bastards or um year zero yeah opus magnum would be also a really good one and I'd say that's how it would, you know, thinking about the way that I approach Game Pass, um, you know, I, I've gravitated towards Forza, but if it wasn't for that, I probably would be playing all of these smaller games because that's, you know, tends to be what would attract me to a service like Game Pass, try out games that I wouldn't normally buy. But I'm the exception, not the rule, because I've got, between all of my libraries, over a thousand games, you know. Oh, sweet summer child. Steam being the largest, yeah, whatever. Steam being the largest <laughs> of those libraries, but you know, most people don't have that, so they would say, "Ah, this service offers me, you know, in this case, Gears of War, uh, four, and when it comes out, five, and um, you know, on the on the Xbox, you have access right now to Halo Five, and um, you know, access to Crackdown. That you know, that's across both, but you know, all these big." you know, triple A sort of titles that you're interested in. And then you'd see the little indie games and be like, oh, that's neat. Check that out. And then maybe if you like it enough, you you could buy it. Like, yes, it's on the Game Pass, but it might not be on the Game Pass for forever. And also, um, you might not have Game Pass forever. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, they're actually comparing this a lot to OnLive, which is not quite apples to apples here because OnLive was a streaming service. But uh, 
they were talking about how OnLive uh, worked in the favor of like Paradox games where uh, it was based on hours played. So a Paradox game would do a lot better on there just because you have Paradox games draw in a ton amount of time. Yeah. But Paradox also has a large enough library that they could, uh, you know, uh, experiment a little bit with their uh, catalog. But what you need to consider, according to, uh, hang on, who is this? I'm grabbing a quote in the middle of this. <laughs> now, that's the problem with this. Uh, let's see, it's Webster. Uh, he is the ex-CEO of Paradox. Now, what you need to consider now when people throw money at you is three years from now, where the pendulum uh, has swung back, and all of a sudden you're standing there knocking on Microsoft's door saying, please let us in again, <laughs> which is going to happen eventually. <laughs> Uh, we all know that, hopefully, is your business model sustainable. But has it been the whole time? Uh, do you have direct access to the people that's playing your game? So he's talking about not you know, blocking off a potential avenue, which I understand you know, could also be referencing uh, other services like a certain game store that's being shit. That's, that doesn't ha mean it has to be shit forever, just the people behind it, right? Indeed. Fuck that game store. <laughs> uh, those are the only two things that you should uh, think about because uh, if you sell yourself now with a business model that you don't even believe in just because you get could get 10 million dollars in cash i don't think you're going to have a good time in three years because these times are not going to come back i'm st sounding dr doom here i'm a paranoid man <laughs> Yeah, I think Microsoft as well is probably uniquely in the position to pull this off in the right way. I would say that they're one of the few that's able to do it, that they have enough money behind it. I would say Valve would probably be able to do it as well. Yeah, but Valve doesn't seem to be interested in doing anything. Well, they're making a mobile game. Does that count? No. <laughs> um, but, I mean, Microsoft has got access to a huge library. Not only their own first-party published titles but all of these sort of second party titles from all of the development studios they've been buying, plus they're fucking Microsoft. So they've got enough clout to they throw the around. Money. Yeah. You know, enough clout, enough, enough rep, some sick rep and also the cash to make sick it happen with other, with other developers. I mean, so, you know, some of the other studios that I could see trying this would be like your EAs and potentially your Ubisofts and, you know, the ones that already have their own sort of separated launchers. Or, or and, uh, working on it because Ubisoft announced it at E3 at probably the yeah. worst possible time. Or, before, or yeah. Yeah, for another, well, outside of beta, uh, another 50% more. Yeah, or, 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 you know, they've already got their subscription programs. I mean, EA's got their subscription program already. So, you know, maybe that's a bad example. But, um, you know, uh, these companies... Uh, if Blizzard had uh, more games behind it, maybe. Yeah, but I mean, these companies... Some of them have some pretty big libraries. Like, EA has got a pretty big library. But you look at it compared to Microsoft's library or Microsoft's potential library, and it's like, well, let's pack it up, boys. We can't compete. Let's go home. You know, so... But that's money on the table. Yeah, some cost, right? Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, they're not, you know, I'm not saying they're going to abandon the market because Microsoft stepped in, but Microsoft has, is in the best place to do so. And I'm glad to see that they're doing it well. 
yeah, there are still some issues I have with the launcher, but overall, I think it's done fairly well. And it looks like developers are getting on board. Yeah, I'm excited. It, it, it's nice to see uh, something that's good for both the consumer and the developer for once. Yeah, those things don't usually happen very often. But Yeah, and uh, no. uh, the fact that uh, Microsoft is also... Uh, Kind of under, uh, undercutting their costs or their uh, their income, I should say, uh, during the beta period, uh, getting a bigger install base is interesting. I mean, it makes sense though. Like you, you know, you get people in, and then you know, once they're hooked, you keep them, and they're willing to pay more for it. Also, there's always the possibility that you know, I'm sure they're hoping for this that people will sign up for the service and then forget about it. So Microsoft is getting the money, but not having to deal with that person, you know, interacting on their platform and their system, costing them anything at all. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of always thought that was what Game Pass was about anyways. It's just oh, yeah. an extra way to generate that type of revenue. Because a lot of people, I remember when it was first announced two years ago or something like that, people were like, this won't be sustainable. How will this work? They're going to have to charge crazy amounts of money. And it's like, no, Microsoft can eat it as a loss leader. And also, you know, that what they're hoping is they get people signed up for these subscriptions that don't actually utilize the service. Yeah, wasn't there an article not long ago talking about people don't even know how many subscriptions they have, let alone how much they pay for everything? Probably. I didn't see it, but I wouldn't doubt it. I listened to a... I can't remember if it was an interview or a TED talk with the guy who created movie pass. And he was, you know, he talks about that concept when you have subscription services It's like you offer something that's of ridiculous good value because the idea is you want most people to not actually utilize the service. So they both support and provide the profit for the small percentage portion of people who do utilize the service to its fullest potential. And like the issue with movie pass is that, it was such a good fucking deal that everybody utilized it. They had something like, I think they said like an 80% utilization rate, whereas they want it to be the opposite. They want like a 20% utilization rate. Okay, here it is. That's how I found it. Survey, 84% of Americans unaware of how much they spend on subscription services. Yeah. I mean, technically I fall into that category. I don't know how much we spend on that stuff every not to the, month, but... Not to the cent, but... I just have Netflix and now Game Pass. Yeah, I mean, we know everything that we have subscriptions to. Like, we, you know, Katie and I do a budget every month, and we look at that stuff. And so it's like, I don't know the values for what we're subscribed to, but we don't have anything that we're subscribed to that we're not using. This is interesting. Then we also have a breakdown of uh, the average prices. I guess technically Amazon Prime would be considered that, even though I pay on a year, same with Amazon Music. Yeah, I mean, it's cheaper to pay for it by the year overall, but uh, let's you can see. pay for it monthly. Uh, mobile phone service, 100 bucks, uh, with some down percent up, up uh, saying uh, that they have it. Wi-Fi at home, 50 bucks, uh, with 78%. What's the rarest? Wireless apps, 3%, 10 bucks. Children's subscription boxes, fashion subscription box. Oh, uh, like the monthly uh, random boxes. Yeah, Loot Crate and shit like that. Uh, book services, cloud storage, gaming services, 17%. Uh, average, uh, most common, 20 bucks. So, hey, I would be uh, well under, <laughs> even at full price on Microsoft. 
Yeah. Well, of course, you know, we don't pay for things like, you know, accessing servers or anything. Yeah. Fuck you and your need for Xbox Live. Poor Ghost. Ghost doesn't need Xbox Live. Oh, that is uh, uh, M251 who couldn't uh, play with us because he didn't have Xbox Live. Uh, all right. I know we had someone, but for some reason, uh, it was while we were playing with Ghost. Yeah, he was he was chatting with us on Discord. Like, literally chatting. He wasn't, he didn't have a headset. By us, uh, uh, we mean you, because I wasn't watching Discord at the time. I mean, I wasn't watching it super well, but I had it pulled up on my second monitor. But, anyways, yeah, so... I'm I'm glad to see like this. Subscription boxes are actually the most popular out of all the random subscription boxes. Like what subscription boxes? Beauty. Oh, that's not what I would have picked. I would have between would makeup have... and clothes and no no fashion is considered something separate on here. Oh well, then what what would fall under beauty then? I guess just I'm guessing just makeup. That's a huge fucking industry. True, it makes sense to me. Uh. Average twenty bucks a month. So, also, we don't really fall into the demographic of your average makeup user. Mm, I mean, true. that's just not something that I do regularly. Like between the two of us, I would be the one who would use makeup, and sometimes <laughs> I do, but not regularly. So, I would never subscribe to it. Yeah, there's uh, the saying "lipstick on a pig" for me. <laughs> but you'd give a good big old red smooch. Yeah, actually, I'm surprised food isn't bigger on here. I'm just, they actually don't list food uh, subscription boxes. I mean, they have meal services, but I'm talking about like the snack boxes. Unless that would be also under meal services, which, damn, <laughs> forty bucks a month on average. Those are expensive. We've we've tried a couple of them, like Blue Plate and the ones I'm similar cheap to that. I like to cook. I mean, yeah, I mean, we tried them. And it was like, I was like, you know, the math on this is terrible, right? Like, if you're doing this to try and save anything other than time, the math on it is terrible. And I sat down and I did the math with Katie, and she's like, oh, my God. Yeah, this is stupid. It's basically just uh, moss in place, and that's it, right? Yeah. But, um, yeah, and then we've had, I forget what one of the snack ones are. Those are, snacks are always good. But then it's like, why am I paying 20 bucks for like five bags of snacks? I could take 20 bucks. Because like, I mean, they're not really healthy. Like they say they're healthy, but they're not. They're just not. If you're eating, you know, crackers and stuff covered in like barbecue sauce flavoring and, you know, you, you get like the, the bag full of Fig Newtons. It's like those aren't really healthy. So I'll just spend now, my $20 now what I would, and get... What I would uh, say would be like the international snacks, the ones that are a pain in the ass to find. Oh, yeah, those are those snack boxes. boxes. I mean, even uh, going to like uh, the Asian market uh, that I go, have gone to like the last three months, uh, they don't have a ton there. They have some, uh, and it's fun to go through it, but honestly, most of the time I just get some of the good uh, ramen there, and that's about it. Mostly because mm-hmm. I would have to carry the, you know anything uh, for most of the day because it's like my first stop. But uh, you know, just limited availability. Well, uh, you know, some sort of uh, random you know foreign snack box uh, uh, has a lot more variety in it or potential, I should say. Yeah, you know, sometimes they throw some weird shit in. 
Yeah. So that's where I would see, you know, a potential value that, you know, you can't just go down to the corner store and, you know, get them, you know? Indeed, my friend. Plus, uh, the good ramen, you know how you uh, know it's the good ramen? When you it open up, say it has ramen on it. Uh, no, it uh, has the, the second flavor packet. <laughs> nice. So fancy. Hey, whenever they have a, a thing of uh, sesame oil in it, you know you're going to have a good time. Yeah, I always have a good time with sesame oil. Oh, my. Um, speaking of other things that we tend to have a good time with, Zaktronics makes their entire library free to schools in Zacademics program. Yeah, which I love the name of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's perfect. It's per- it's perfect. If they had used anything else, it would have been like, why didn't you guys say Zacademics? So, or or we wouldn't have been clever enough to think of it. That's possible too. So, yeah. Zachtronics is, I, I wouldn't say my favorite developer, but uh, yeah, they're on the list of the developers I actually really like that I don't have any problem with. Yeah, it's a short list. Actually, I'd have to sit down and really try to think of some others sometime. I, I guess uh, Bay Non Studios. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. Um. So looking looking through this program, I have several. I'm oh, sorry, Bay Twelve. I had the wrong uh, number. Dwarf Fortress. Gotcha. So looking through this, I have several Sectronics titles, but I'm thinking about applying just to see what happens. Just because I use games at the clinic when I work with kids a lot. Um, different context, but. Who knows what I might be able to figure up with this stuff. And the worst they can do is tell me no. Yeah, so uh, a lot of uh, Zachtronics games, uh, they have a secondary thing that you could uh, use where uh, Opus Magnum, uh, it teaches uh, programming and uh, logic. Infinifactory, uh, you know, once again, logic, but uh, in a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know Extapunk's uh, offhand. Uh, it's one I haven't played. Which game is uh, uh, Extapunk's. It's the third one on the list. They actually don't have other games on here. They don't have Space Cam. That's interesting. Maybe they feel like it was too hard for, for kids or to too, learn. Yeah, it is It is a devilishly hard game. <laughs> it's one of those games that the, the demo mode uh, basically is right up against the wall and then the difficulty uh, spikes where uh, it's essentially uh, the basic idea of Opus Magnum only spread out a lot more so maybe they felt it would be redundant mm-hmm. I don't know TIS uh, 100 I know it's a programming puzzle game but I don't know it offhand but they rated a 4 out of 5 they, they rate Opus Magnum a Two out of five, and that thing gets devilish at times, and I'm just barely in it. Yeah, I like it. Also depicts alchemy, which is essentially made up chemistry, and may offend science teachers. <laughs> That's potentially true. The teachers will probably just be happy to have new stuff instead of using the same fifty-year-old lesson plan. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, one that's uh, was barely updated from uh, uh, geocentrism. Yeah. 
Um, I don't really know how much more there is to talk about it. Like, it's a really cool move. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I, I'm glad to see it. Yeah, anything that supports education in, well, anywhere, really. Because that's kind of been you know, put on the back burner for, you know, at least in the United States, which is honestly a little scary, isn't it? Yes, indeed. Very scary. But they don't actually say it's limited to the U.S., do they? They just say it's out there. Yeah, no, I don't think it's limited. I didn't see anywhere that it was. Yeah, um, I, I do like, they say that uh, there are no demos for our games, which is not entirely true because Space Kim does have a demo. Uh, so your options for evaluation are either buy the game on Steam or another distribution platform, play it for, on your own computer, or to apply for a license uh, guessing which games would uh, be the most appropriate in learning from uh, learning afterwards. Either way, feel free to ask for as many licenses as you need, for, and it's for many games you can use. Our aim is to provide as much value to our target in institutions as possible. I mean, I, it's hard to really say anything negative about this, right? Yeah. So, two thumbs up. Good job, guys. You did it. You can do a lot with a blender, though. Oh, you know what else you could do a lot of? Or do a lot with? Netflix. You can do a lot with Netflix. Thank you for calling Netflix your greenlit. <laughs> so yeah, our final news topic of the night uh, is Cuphead is getting a Netflix series. Yeah, I guess they're a little late to get on the bandwagon. So, you know, they get their own little uh, topic here. What's yeah. interesting is the type of show that they're making. Yeah, some sort of reality-based game show. I mean, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. It's hand-drawn animation. You know, if it was a reality-based game show with that was just Cuphead-themed, I think I'd be okay with that. Yeah, people sell their souls to the devil, and then they had to fight a bunch of bosses to get it back. Pretty sure the Japanese did that before. The Japanese have done that a lot of times before. I mean, hell, the Japanese have some weird game shows. Awesome game shows, but weird. Yes. Oh, probably the one that jumps out to me. Not even most extreme elimination challenge. You know, Tossie's Castle. Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen the one where they go into a room and replace a random object with chocolate and people have to figure out what it is? Yes, you showed that to me. <laughs> uh, I, well, I wasn't sure. Yeah. No, you, you showed me that. I I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Sometimes, like, I've been down a couple of rabbit holes on YouTube where I'm just watching old Japanese game shows. Also, they they seem to do a lot better with the talent shows. It's not just all random singers. I wish they would, like, remove singing from the talent shows and make those people go to the singing shows. I can hear you singing. Poorly. Out of key. Also known as my usual singing. Mine, too. But anyways, yeah, this is, I think this is fun. And this, the article sort of reflects that because it's like, it's a game based on cartoons that is now getting a cartoon. Yes, we've gone full cycle. I just hope that it's better than some of the other Netflix originals. Netflix, uh, they seem a lot more scattershot with quality. Yeah, they are. You know, the, the, the stuff that they get right is amazing and then most of the rest of it is just junk but i mean they're copying the you know hbo model of last 
or maybe two generations ago. I mean, HBO used to do this. They just take whatever they could get back in the day just to have content to put on their channel. And mm-hmm. Netflix is doing that. And then Netflix is, has been doing that with the content that they themselves produce. So, I mean, it makes sense. But I do hope, yeah, that this is better rather than worse. Yeah, I, I also hope that, you know, at some point we get more of a unification again because we've seen a lot of splintering with video content. And honestly, I don't have the attention span to really want to be paying for more than two video subscriptions. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're seeing that returning. I think we're we're internet streaming stuff is is headed the way that cable networks did. But I think that's a discussion for another time. Uh, for another podcast? When I'm more awake. Well, wake up because it's the community corner. Indeed. So, well, way to, to slide us on over to that. So no no letters or tweets this week. But yeah. um, we now, did not... No wonder you're so uh, sleepy. It's been quiet. But to be fair, <laughs> so... it was also you know for, uh, for, uh, the fourth in the United States. And also the rest of the world. But you know, it's a little bit more important here. Yeah. But... Um... Anyways, yeah, no no letters, no tweets, but... If you wish to wake up, Jared, you can send an email to vglpodcast at gmail.com or tweet us vglpodcast on the Twitter. Indeed. Also, Game Club stuff. Uh, you know, we've got a long-standing list of things that we have played and enjoyed, stuff that we've talked about playing. Everyone send me tweets and reminders on Discord until we get a rough schedule out that covers more than two weeks in advance and apologies for needing to cancel uh, uh you weeks. mean game night yeah uh, yeah game night what did i say game I was about to, yeah you said game club now i was trying to figure out two weeks of game now we have a little bit more than two weeks planned <laughs> yeah no sorry i meant game i meant game night instead of game club but sorry about canceling last night or monday night uh had something come up in in my personal life i needed to be available for so just had to make sure I dealt with that. Yeah, fun times? Uh, no. But, mm. you know, say lovey. So, yeah, everyone uh, just, like, tweet at me repeatedly, massively, until I create a schedule and then post it on Discord. Hang on, setting up script. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but how about something a little bit more fun and a quick discovery queue? Since, hey, In- we're running kind of early. Indeed. Let's blow through that discovery queue. Yeah, and as usual, I've set up uh, something and got the one pretty much right away. I don't even have Steam open, so you are the. Uh, uh, well, here, how the, the hell do you? Open. How the fuck do you pronounce this? Are you. I, I just put it on the discovery queue list. I have no idea how to pronounce this. Oh. <laughs> Cubifactorium? Cubifactorium? I get. I mean, that's a cl- uh, as close as we get, probably. So, what happens when you mix Minecraft and Factoria? Which I guess that's you know where they're getting the name. You get sweet, sweet, beautiful, sexy games. That's what you get. Well, there's a- another one in this sort of mixture of Mass Factory plus Town Builder, Cubifactorium. Where it's a town builder where you're building a 
uh, and growing a thriving community, discover new lands, craft legendary weapons, and defeat your enemies. Uh, it's currently in early access. Uh, doesn't have much of a discount on it, but looks like uh, they're pretty early in development, so I'm imagining a pretty long uh, early access. Uh, it's been in development since uh, late 2017, so, and it's about 60% complete. So probably looking at a couple of years for it. Yeah, but it has a, some promise looking to it, doesn't it? It looks more yeah, fleshed out than most think. of the games of this genre. I would say this is sort of a subgenre. Uh, uh, it's where the Venn diagram of uh, factory builder and town builder kind of uh, overlap, huh? Hmm. Indeed, that was a yawn. Um, well, no need to stay excited. I would say this is probably up your alley, though. Oh, yeah, it definitely looks up my alley. <laughs> I saw this on Keymailer when I was browsing around looking for some new games yesterday or a couple of days ago, and I was I was very excited to see it. And I did get it in my queue, but you got to it first, so. Yeah, it was second for me. Uh, I looked up my queue before, and uh, my first one was some random Chinese battle royale that's unplayable if you're not in mainland China, so... Anyway, do you have one? I do. Uh, Wolfenstein Youngblood. So, Wolfenstein... um, I can't remember if we talked specifically about Youngblood during the E3 E3 show or not. I know we talked about the Wolfenstein stuff, but... uh, uh, Because they did the VR stuff as well. Yeah. But it's the next Wolfenstein uh, expansion game. It's it's only thirty bucks, brand new. So I don't know if that's expansion territory for this type of game, or a spinoff type thing or what. But you are playing as BJ's two daughters, just fighting them Nazis, and I believe eighties Paris. It's either seventies or eighties Paris. Well, a good thing you're fighting against the Nazis. Otherwise, extra credits would get their panties in a twist again. <laughs> yeah, very true. But, I mean, if you like what they have been doing with Wolfenstein over the last couple of games, I suspect you would like this. I know I will, unless it's just a broken mess when it comes out. But, I mean, it's it's set to release in just uh, towards the end of this month, the 26th of July. So, not even a month away. Huh. I just found something that looks interesting. At first, I nearly discounted it because it looked like just another... Uh, yeah, a tower defense game, but it looks like it's a bit more. Uh, exception, there's a Chinese characters before it. It's an AI programming game where it's you. Uh, well, uh, you're building up a uh, AI program to uh, essentially go in and defeat your enemies. I mean, it's a pretty basic premise, and I've seen something like this before, but. They're mixing it with a tower defense as well from the looks of it. And I haven't seen the, quite this mixture just yet. So if they go full hog with this, where they mix the uh, AI programming into the tower defense well, which I have no idea if they do, it could be an interesting combination. Because tower defense is you know, a pretty static uh, uh, strategy for the most part. So if you know if they could do anything to mix it up, that would be pretty interesting to me. Yeah. Um. 
So I got another one. Uh, Age of Wonders Planetfall. So I've played a couple of the Age of games. Um, and they're, they've played kind of like Civ Light. Like the way the map controls feels much more like Civilizations, but it, it, it does focus a lot more on the combat aspect of the game as opposed to the you know research diplomacy aspect of whatnot but this this looks basically like age of wonders but sci-fi and you know i've said it if i've said it once i've said it a million times i'm always a sucker for sci-fi so age of wonders has always been pretty solid in my book adding a sci-fi element to it uh, makes me happy so yeah i would say not even a skin uh, but yeah the full-on elements yeah yeah, I think I heard this after E3. Yeah, I remember seeing it at the PC Game Show. Yeah, it's one of the ones I added from on my wish list for that was uh, featured there. Uh, uh, for me, it looked uh, a lot more civilization uh, as well, which isn't a bad thing. You know, ha- has a stronger focus on the forex strategy. Yeah. Um... So. I got another one that looks odd. And I'm just copying it over because I just found it. Because I had a couple of you know, just crap games. Reventure. They say this is the one and only non-linear adventure with 100 different endings. So, a non-linear platformer adventure that has a ton of endings. Interesting. Looks like it has some pretty good reviews, but, you know, Steam reviews aren't always the greatest metric. Sometimes they could be, you know, a, a useful metric. But this one, it's a little hard to tell. It looks like there's a lot of people that are saying that. It's very funny, though, so probably a lot of uh, you know, humor, uh, element, humorous elements in it as well. Yeah. Um, Okay. I got, yeah, I've got Starbase. I'm just going to read this. Starbase is a hybrid voxel vertex-based space MMO with fully destructible and infinitely expanding universe that focuses on building and designing spaceships and stations, exploration resources, gathering, crafting, trading, and combat. So I'm pretty sure anyone who's ever listened to the show before knows why I like the idea of this game. Looks kind of like... It looks, at least from the screenshots, like Space Engineers, but better. Which, to be fair, that's not much of a high bar, depending on the aspect of Space Engineers you're talking about. Yeah. Did they ever fix the engine where it, yo, is an absolute shit on any system? No. They keep saying that they make changes to it every few updates or every, like, big update, but I've never noticed any difference in it. Yeah. Let's get that. Huh. Oh, VR only. I'm gonna, yeah. I, I prefer to at least have games that would be playable by anyone that's not just Jim. <laughs> right. Oh, oh, here we go. That right. looks interesting. So, scroll, 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 scroll. The seventh sector. Yep. What? <laughs> it's sold already. Welcome to the seventh sector. Set in a mysterious cyberpunk world. Immense to yourself. In this intricate path, solving different puzzles, facing dangers, and collecting scattered information to discover the story of the world. 
So, uh, a, a hidden lore game set in the cyberpunk world. I mean, that's pretty much you, right? Yeah. If it's done well. Yeah. It, I, can... I mean, it doesn't look bad, does it? No. I mean, not a lot to talk about there because it is uh, you know, purposely mysterious. <laughs> so my queue's done. My last few games were trash. I still wound up with one. No, that's not mine. One, two, three. I'm happy with three. Huh. Okay. Uh, you're, you're going to laugh at the title, but uh, stay with me here, all right? Okay, I'm with you. Littlewood. Okay. Littlewood is a town builder. Says the world has already been saved. Now it's time to rebuild your town, learn new hobbies, and forge lifelong friendships in this peaceful and relaxing RPG. So, a town builder, but more of a focus on RPG aspects. It reminds me of sort of the town building aspect of the Dark Cloud series, where it was... Well, I imagine this isn't going to be as puzzle-based, but... Uh, going in and trying to essentially reassemble the world after everything went to hell. So it's a very interesting concept. Uh, Ethically, it, you know, it's okay. I mean, it's. I think maybe it's just the grass te- or, or lack of uh, texture on it. And it's just pretty much green with some darker green splotches in it. it. Makes it look a little cheaper. Right. But it doesn't look too bad, you know? It's like uh, they're going for a more general trades approach to the town builder. So, hey, I got two town builders already. Yay. How many is left? Do you have left in your queue? I'm on my last one. I'm looking at it right now. Okay. Anything good? It's interesting. I'll let I'll add one more to my uh, list. What have they made also? Okay, okay. Just making sure that it's not like, you know. Lorali? The uh, little she had was taken away, but she refuses to give up. She will fight, and not even death will stop her from getting it all back. So, a adventure horror game. Interesting. Yeah, interesting concept. Or interesting idea. Not concept, idea. Yeah, it looks like it's uh, a point and click. So, yeah. We don't see too many point and clicks. We see a few. I actually skipped over one that looked rather bad. But this one actually looks like it has some promise to it. It's from uh, Harvester Games that did the Cat Lady, which was another uh, horror-based game. Published by Screen 7, which has a fair amount of games out. Oh, here's one that's uh, pretty much our life story uh, from them. The Adventures of Fat Man. Uh, what, no joke? No struggle? No, I'm my... I missed it. I missed the, the, missed of the opportunity man. there. Oh, you said Fat Man. What do you think I said? Honestly, it sounded like you said Batman. I was like, oh. Uh, well, it's basically Batman only is fat and uh, doesn't He's have. Batman. Yeah. You're a fat man, the heroic crime fighter for the city of Shadowlawn. It's up I'm to you. Batman. 
Still not our, our new theme song. No. But that is my cue. Uh, some interesting ones. Uh, two town builders, uh, Cuba Factorium, which, you know, they're definitely not trying to do Factorium. Uh, well, obviously, Minecraft Factoria, what would the Torium be? Um, or Orium. Hmm. I don't recognize question. the third game in that. Because obviously it's three games put together. You know, Cube, uh, you know, Minecraft, and it's uh, Torio, so it wouldn't be M. We're, we're going to have to dissect this. We need to find out how the sausage is made. have to break out the Googles. Go look for the answer. But that would be when you're more awake. Indeed. Uh, so I had three and you had one, two, three, four, five, six. But I also got Cuba Factorium. Yeah, well, I also had a couple of those uh, shitty, uh, uh, you know, copy paste uh, hentai games. Gotcha. Y- you know the ones that are either uh, jigsaw puzzles or the sliding blocks. Oh yeah, just the best mwah, chef kiss games there are. Chef's kiss. Yeah, chef kiss. Uh, I heard shift. I was thinking shift. Oh, yeah, it's a very shifty kiss. Um, but with that coming to a close, hey Rage, why don't you hit them with the socials? Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on the YouTube's Game with Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter Game of CR. Twitch maybe someday twitch.tv slash caffeine underscore rage, or you can find me on Steam. Hey, how about that? Caffeine Rage as well. And you've been. Eating cashews. <laughs> no, oh, that's I've been... a good one. <laughs> but I, I, I went that. Uh, I went through that quickly, so you could go uh, get some sleep. You did. I have been gaming psychologist. You can find me on the YouTube's by searching for gaming psychologist on Twitter at jma four seven zero seven, and on Steam at jarthur four seven zero seven. If you wish to let either of us know what the podcast you're coming from is, the password for this week is fermentation. Mm, fermentation. Mm. I'm making yogurt. <laughs> so that's where that comes in. Or at least attempting to. We'll see if I you know, have to do on the counter is uh, workable for me. Yeah, I'm going to have to talk to the apartment manager for that one. Whew. Someone install yeah. my uh, racks upside down. <laughs> yeah, I'm honestly not sure how you do that, but people's stupidity knows no bounds, so... Well, uh, just when you think something's foolproof, the universe makes a bigger fool. Life finds a way. I can't do a good Jeff Goldblum. Life uh, finds a way. Maybe a little better. Yeah, but you said a low bar. That's fair. Speaking of uh, saying a low bar, how about an outro? If you wish to contribute to this absolute madness, you can do so. Podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game related topics, or just tweet into us, Podcast on the Twitter. Our lovely, lovely patrons have helped pay for, well, all of this. And if you wish to find out more, you can do so, patreon.com slash Podcast. And our lovely patrons have also made our podbean possible, of course. Let's host the RSS feed show notes and links to all our content online. Or you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcatcher of choice. Our intro down to music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod. 
and our Discovery Key music is doobly-doo by the same artist. You can find his work at incomputech.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. Or what's left of it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>